0: We'll read tonight from the book of Matthew chapter 18, book of Matthew chapter 18, and we'll begin in verse 21, Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, and we'll be looking at another parable, Jesus taught in parables, he told stories about everyday things to get us uh, uh, to better understand spiritual truths, and we uh, want to look at uh, the detail in this particular parable. And get our lesson for tonight in Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but to seventy times seven Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children all that he had and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out, found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii. He laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. But he would not. And he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw what had been done... They were very grieved, came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? His master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each one of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses let's pray together please father thank you for your word and we thank you for the lesson that you have for us in the parables we ask we to take these lessons to heart you to remind us of these things whenever we need them the most in jesus name we pray amen you may be seated we've preached on this parable before and the major message of this parable is the scandal of an unforgiving heart A man owed his uh, master 10,000 talents. Now, if you remember, a talent was the equivalent of about 15 to 20 years pay for an average worker. This is is the budget of states. This is beyond even imagining how much money this was. This was an astronomical amount. Of course, Jesus exaggerated it on purpose. This is an unpayable debt master forgave him. That same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants that owed him a fraction of a fraction of a percentage, a hundred denarii, which would be at the most maybe a hundred days pay, just a little over three months pay. And he had been forgiven centuries of pay and he wouldn't forgive him. This is scandalous. And it's a scandalous thing. so we, we read through this and we realize the scandal of the unforgiving heart. But now there's another message in this past scripture tucked into one small little detail. Because we see that there are three main characters of the parable. The master of the household and the one who owed him a lot of money and was forgiven. The one who owed his fellow servant a small amount of money and wasn't forgiven but there's other characters, they provide the message for tonight. In verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. They saw what had happened, and they went and told the master everything. And in this one little passage of scripture, we have the urgency and the effectiveness of prayer. Because what, is, what was happening? First of all, the fellow servant saw an urgent need. Here was a man being thrown in prison. Here's a man being thrown in prison and mistreated by one of his fellow servants. And this was a, an urgent need because he was going to be thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. Well, if he was thrown in prison, he could not pay the debt because he couldn't work. And the fellow servant saw an urgent need that they couldn't remedy. They couldn't remedy it. So, second point, the fellow servants went and told the master. What they tell him? Everything. Told him everything they had seen. Everything that bothered them. They saw what happened and it grieved them. So they couldn't help the situation. So they went and told the master. And they told him everything. Number one, it showed what they knew about the master. First of all, they knew he would care. They would never run to him if they didn't think he would care about that situation and care about their fellow servant and care about the, the uh, scandal that was going on. Secondly, they knew he could help. Nobody else could help, but they knew the master could help. You see, it reflected what they knew about their master and what they really believed about their master, that they were willing to go with, to him with this problem. And then there's something else about these fellow servants. When we see that they went and told him everything, not only did they know something about the master, but we know something about them. All of this because they cared about their fellow servant. If they didn't care... They wouldn't have got involved they just said that's just the way it is that's just the way the brakes fall but they cared about the one that was being mistreated they cared about his urgent need they cared about the unfairness of it so they had a care for the one they were going to the master so what does that teach us well it teaches a lot about what we're doing tonight praying for others very frequent instruction in the New Testament. In book of James, chapter 5, verse 16, if you'll turn all the way back toward the end of the New Testament, James, chapter 5, verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. He's talking about prayer, and prayer changes things. Prayer avails much. It makes things happen. All in the context of not praying for my needs, but when I pray for somebody else's needs. Pray for one another. The Apostle Paul reflected this as well. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now we may look at that and say, well, that's maybe just he's was saying he's making mention of them because he's thanking God for them. But if you turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, He gets even more specific when he writes to the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. Making request for you. What that means in everyday South Arkansas language, I'm asking for things for you. I'm asking for God to do something for you. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, if you turn just one page over. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. Praying always for you. So there's someone else. He says specifically, I am praying for you. And this is not the only time. Paul reflected this same thought in several different letters. But now he in turn asked for people to pray for him. Just about one page over. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, maybe two pages over, chapter 5, verse 25, some of the last verses in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25, very short passage of scripture. Brethren, pray for us. Brethren, pray for us. Very simple, straightforward. Some of the last instructions that he closes his letter out with. A few years later, a little bit later on, he would write another letter to the Thessalonian Christians. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, he repeats it again. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Brethren, pray for us. Then he gets specific about a specific request. So when we look in the New Testament, can't you see very clearly that this business of praying for other people is deeply ingrained in the New Testament? Deeply ingrained, of course, in this parable. It's deeply ingrained in the letters of the Apostle Paul where he prayed for each other, he prayed for others, and he asked them to pray for him. They were praying for each other. So where does that leave us? It leaves us, with, there's a biblical principle in play when we go down to the school and we pray over the, the school. There's an urgent need. There's an urgent need we can't remedy. But well, we know who can remedy it. So we go and we pray. And on that school ground, we're reminded of things. And we know that God honors Prayers that are made when his people gather together and will gather together there, make the intercessory prayer for our students, our educators, on the grounds of the school, the very place where it will all happen. And it says the effectual, fervent prayer of righteous people will make things happen. Is there anything before we close? Let's stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer. And as we pray, Rick, would you dismiss this, please,